Hello, welcome back. Muchas gracias por haber escuchado el podcast episode of last time. And Fully Charged is back in the road, back in here. I have an amazing guest today, and I would like for them to introduce themselves. Uh, hey, I'm Carly, and uh, I'm Stephanie's friend. I met her in um, our Chiqua class, and yeah, we've just been kind of we're in a group project together now, and yeah, thanks for having me out here. Of course. Actually, Carly's a really, really cool person um, because um, she has a lot of insight to talk about our um, current episode title that will be Indigeneity. And so I wanted to ask you, first and foremost, what does Indigeneity mean to you? Well, um... Well, I don't know, because I guess I haven't really known about my indigenous roots for a while. It's been about maybe four years now that I've like learned about that side of my family. And so I've been trying to educate myself and kind of make up for lost time. And I'm actually going down to see that side of my family in a couple weeks, so... Yeah, I'm super excited. I haven't seen them in three years, and uh, shout out to my fam down there. I love them so much, and so I'm just like, yeah. I don't know, I guess to me it just, like, it ties me back to, like, family and keeping up with um, traditional things like food and clothing and hair and, like, different things like that, and um, yeah. What about you, Stephanie? Damn, that's that's kind of crazy that like your journey like has started a couple years ago and like you know doing all that part of like educating yourself must have taken you know besides already what you do for school is like for your own personal like growth and journey and like for your community behind you because sometimes it's like hard being I would say it like just non-white and like. a BIPOC person to like learn about yourself and your roots um like I think a lot about the Latina community how like uh some of us are kind of racially mixed meaning that like we can come across as racially ambiguous and we don't really fit in this like race conversation in the United States of like black and white or brown or sometimes like a white Latino and that all implies that like with our indigenous african and white um uh ancestors we have come to be a creation out of capitalism colonialism and white supremacy and that is so conflicting because when i think of indigeneity i want people in the latino community to come uh come to understand that you have to be really careful in how you want to reconnect kind of what you have done with your journey about your community, what are your roots, and, like, how do you feel about saying, being part of the, uh, in this community, and that makes me think, first and foremost, about, like, advocate and allyship, so, like, when you want to be, for instance, an ally to your indigenous, um, ancestors, or indigenous communities overall, you have to be really careful about not being performative, and I was telling, uh, Carly that, like, there's an instance where, like, someone had told me that this uh, diverse group of BIPOC people had uh, been invited to go to a cabin, and the, per- 
person who was in charge of the cabin or like the owner was white and when they went there um they saw that the person had indigenous like traditional indigenous like hats and not hats headdresses mm-hmm. and like quilts and like other very traditional and important cultural aspects um and he also had like sombreros mexicanos like sombreros and when they were eating tacos he had said the you know uh comment about like oh yeah i have this little sombrero for little hispanics him being white and after a friend of mine that i know who called him out uh someone labeled all these things that he was like doing in that space as appreciation towards the culture so i guess my follow-up question to you um harley would be like what does advocacy or allyship have what do you think of those things being important uh when supporting indigenous communities uh well that's a good question um i don't know i guess because like there's a fine line between like who is an ally and who's like appropriating your culture especially because um like the united states has like especially like the early like mid 20th century was based on appropriating our cultures and like with the cowboy movies and looney tunes and like the list can you can go on and on and on and it's just like even like people that like still kind of like support those things because they don't understand why those things are not okay and then it also comes down to like just like not like Sometimes I feel like my friends think that I have to educate them about myself. Mm-hmm. And then it comes down to like, well, that's not, you're not being an ally if you're making me educate you. Like, being an ally is like wanting to go out of your way to like ask people questions that are part of that group of people and like genuinely like getting to like want to know that like stuff. And like also like asking, um, just like personal experiences and uh, um like just like things like that and yeah yeah no that makes sense thank you for saying that because that's that's hard you know like people want to like know how to support people but then they expect people to be the ones available at all times to educate them like you said that's i love that the point you brought about allyship like it's you going out of your way. It's you doing sacrifices to understand and also, like, center and showcase and, like, support uh, indigenous voices, black voices, people of color overall because there is an inherent um, privilege that comes that when you benefit from the land, when you benefit from the culture, like you said, like, I didn't even thought that Looney Tunes had, like, some um, anti-indigenous, I guess, like, aspects within it like i didn't know that shit it's more like the the latino like yeah that is true and like i'm gonna say for instance the latino community um should know that like phrases that we say like pareces indio or like those are very um anti-indigenous like words and things to say that's not okay and like when we say those things that's clearly like how we show other people that we are so ingrained under this like things of like believing in white supremacy and colonialism that we have internalized these things like if 
like you have a vision of a cessation you are going out of your way to say those things but when people was like that's not attitude that's not how I like it um so I wanted to like ask you for instance like how do you feel um when you brought this up when before we had this epi- uh, podcast episode about um how do you want people to approach um MMIW. Well, so in case um you guys don't know, um, MMIW is on um, May fifth, and it is uh, missing and murdered Indigenous women's movement, and it um tries to educate people about how Indigenous women are going missing and. Uh, murdered at a higher rate than anybody else and it's something that is not looked at or is talked about and um, I actually wrote one of my final papers on it last year and just kind of like like why it happens like how colonialism like formed this whole thing and stuff like that because actually like this whole movement started because somebody that was part of my um, nation went missing on my reservation and um so this movement just kind of hits a little bit harder for me I guess because like that was like somebody from my community and and then I just like think about my family and myself and like experiences that I've had with like men and like yeah it's true like everything like this like the statistics are true and it's just like it's sad and so like what I'm trying to do is just like do my part and spread awareness and like post about it because like I feel like that's the only way that you can spread like information about it like in a fast way is like posting about it on social media and like sometimes I feel like people think that oh you're just posting about it to like get more views like get more likes and like I see a lot of that on like indigenous people's posts sometimes or like stuff like that and it's just like we're trying to educate you so that you can understand but yet when we do that it's frowned upon and it's just kind of like it's sad and so like I'm just trying to do my part and yeah time you talk about it you start realizing even more and more the reality of things like it traumatizes you over and over like reversing that actually like that's a lot to handle and that goes into the saying of like don't do performative activism or performative allyship just for more likes for more views because at the end of the day the the revolution is not televised the revolution is really not televised um the american indian movement erased very much from a lot of things that they did as a community as a movement and we don't know about these things because we don't get taught about these things so maybe not maybe actually if when we can when we can on may 5th like showcasing and centering those voices spreading information that actually let us believe let us see that the reality is not far from us it happens within our communities it happens within indigenous communities that have been displaced for so many years and is neglected and even then the community is still there even then they still are so resilient in practicing their own cultural practices in showing up in spaces and talking 
what conversations and I think a lot of like the climate crisis you know like if you didn't hear this already the climate crisis was created by systems of capitalism white supremacy and colonialism basically basically it was about this yeah <laughs> preach preach <laughs> you know <laughs> It really was like that because BIPOC communities were doing more sustainable practices. And I'm not just saying about like white figuratively and like literally uh, land practices, which they're still important, but also like the way we treat our communities when we look out for one another. It's kind of what you said, like you are um, kind of part of like our community. So it's not like you have a responsibility, but it's honoring those people who are within your community to advocate for them because you're looking out for them rather than like I don't know I, I don't want to say like all white people but white people can just enter a community and literally take up space and not give back to the community like in the process in the class we're in right now like gentrification mm-hmm. they can quite easily just white um, BIPOC voices BIPOC presence and then they wonder like where are the BIPOC No worries. That's it. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not around you. <laughs> yeah, I, also, I think, like, that kind of goes back to, like, the relationship that, like, people have with nature. I feel like indigenous communities have a very close relationship with nature because we, like, respect it so much and it ties so much into, like, our identity and just, like... And I think it also goes back to, like, land property and who owns land. Like, that's not really a big deal in indigenous communities. Like, you own this piece of land. Like, no. no it's kind of like we all share it in a way. And so just to, like, see all this stuff going down and, like, how climate change isn't really being taken seriously and all that stuff, it just, like it hurts my spirit like it hurts your spirit kind of a little bit because like you care about it so much but it's like you know like besides just like educating other people about like trying to get your voice out there and like do everything that you can like politically and stuff like that all you can do is just kind of like watch it unfold around you and it's just like it's sad to see a little bit and like what does that mean for our future and like what opportunities are we going to have compared to, like, what previous generations have had and, like, are our cultures going to become even more lost because of all these problems? And, I don't know, just kind of like a wormhole of thoughts kind of a little bit, but, yeah. <laughs> no, yes, and obviously, like, right now, like, right here when we're talking, it's a space to feel um, the actual effects, you know, have to be so uh trying to be positive at the end you know we, we realize the cl- the climate change effects and now bro it's okay we're we're right here next to each other which you know is still important well i guess what i'm trying to say is that like there should be space to like feel those effects because it is true we are definitely gonna experience climate the climate crisis indigenous um black and people of color communities will you know disproportionately be affected I think of first and foremost that uh, Manumi uh, in the Menominee Nation, while rice being such a delicate um, food, that with rising levels of like uh, more drought being seen and like more um, 
strong brain doing it, not consistent, like, not consistent brain patterns, it will be harder to, like, uh, put it in the ground and, like, harvest it. I don't have a lot of language so far, me to be honest. <laughs> I'm trying my best in here to explain what it is. Um, but, like, that's such a cultural staple food for Nanomichi and a lot of um, uh, the Anishinaabe people that if it's gone, what does that say about our community? What does that say about this nation and who we value? And that really attacks you at your soul and, like, your spirit, What you exactly what you said. It really attacks you because it is so daunting, like, you know, going to college, trying to get a a degree so then you can have uh, a job to like do your best in what you're passionate about but then like you have this quantum anxiety reality to it to like am I even gonna find a job in the profession I want to because what if there's no jobs what if like chaos is an overwhelming umbrella to like how we're gonna approach our everyday lives clean water clean air what if like what if we don't even want to bring children to this world? Like, I have these conversations all the time with my friends. Like, Yeah, me too. Right? It's, like, it's like, a genuine, like, a genuine question that, like, I feel like we're going to have to ask ourselves if, like, nothing changes. And I think about that all the time. Like, what, like, do I even start a family? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't, like, I would never want to bring another person into this world if it's, like, going to be horrible. But then it's, like that's not you know like I don't know I feel like then I'm missing out on what I've always wanted to do at like some point in my life you know but it's like it comes down to morally like what do you want to do I guess and it's there's a lot of questions like that lately yes and it's ah it's so hard to deal with it because you know it's it's you realizing that you are bringing a human being who will grow up and have their own opinions, have their own beliefs. Their beliefs are, you know, their own set of norms and what they really want to live as their life authentically. So that means that you want the best for them. You know, you're kind of like giving a part of your body <laughs> to the world. <laughs> but if the world is not set up for them to, like, survive in, why would you want to bring that human being and you don't even want to harm them? Exactly. It's that's like yeah I uh, we were watching have you ever seen the movie Tambien la Lluvia Mm-mm. it's based on um like the colonization of the um like when uh Christopher Columbus first came over and um this guy is making a movie in Bolivia about the colonization at the same time of the Guerra del Agua in Bolivia in Cochabamba and um, they were filming a scene on where these indigenous wom- women were going to have to, like, they didn't actually have to do it, but they would have to, like, pretend, like, drown their babies so that, because um, it was either, like, Chris- like Christopher Columbus's, like, people, like, got to the babies first or, like, yeah, and they had to, like, decide morally on, like, what's the best decision to do for their baby and obviously they did what they had to do because they're not going to give them to the conquistadors so it just kind of like it reminds me of that and like like in a split second we're like you have to make that choice and it's just like 
indigenous people always have to make a choice like that. Never a white, never a white person. It's always an indigenous, like any BIPOC person. Always, it always seems like you have to make that choice, and it shouldn't have to be that way because a white person's never had to make that choice before, or and they don't have to experience the generational trauma of feeling that choice. Like I experience generational trauma on a daily basis, and it's something that I never realized was a like. I was like, oh, that doesn't, like, affect me at all, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, because I was like, I've never really known a lot about my family, so, like, it doesn't affect me. Oh, it affects you. And you just don't know it until you realize it. And, like, you realize, like, oh, that's why I feel that way. Like, once you finally educate yourself on, like, family history and stuff, like, my grandma going to the residential schools and, like, that's why we lost our speak like our family lost speaking our native language because she would never speak it again once she came out of the residential school and like she would never talk about the residential school either except for like a few handful of times and there's a lot of other family drama but it's just like that's normal for us and i think that's kind of what i want to like put out on this podcast is like things that I think are normal aren't normal to a white person like I think that like all this like complicated things that I have to go and struggle through like my whole entire life are like it's like an everyday thing but it's not it's not and I guess I just want like everybody else to realize that isn't part of the BIPOC community that Life is hard, you know, and we have to deal with so many things that white people don't have to. And I hope that they somehow maybe wake up one day and realize that, damn, they got a lot of privilege. And I hope they use it to do something nice, because if I had that, I'd be doing so much stuff for my community and my family and trying to get it. Like, so, like, I could I could be, like, better and better myself and... I just, I wish I had that opportunity as a, like, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Thank you for saying that. It's so important when we see, like, white privilege shows because what you have thought of, like, the importance of the given of, like, oh, everyone goes through this. Or, like, it could be, like, oh, you know, this is so normal. Or, like, it does not affect me. Like, I know it happens, but it doesn't have to be a big deal. And it shows up in the most um, strange situations or it could be, like, in such impactful situations. Like, I think of, like, triggers, for instance, when I've been, like, talking about this over and over and over. Or, like, I heard that some people say that um, the land acknowledgement is literally for non-Indigenous people because you acknowledge it, for, but for Indigenous people. Yeah, like, I don't know how I feel. Like, honestly, when I see that on, like, the bottom of our professor's emails and stuff, where they're like, I acknowledge the land, like, okay, but you still took this land away from, like, these people. Like, you still built all these buildings on this beautiful, 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 like, I I don't know, like, group of lakes, and just, like, you tore apart all of that. Yes. I don't know. I just kind of, like, (laughs) yeah, you acknowledge it, but you ain't doing anything about it to change it, so... cool i guess uh, like kind of also it's like i don't know i just 
I'm like, okay, whatever. Exactly. <laughs> what am I supposed to say about that? <laughs> like, I'm not part of that, sh- like, nation, so, like, I cannot speak for that nation, but it's just kind of like, I don't know. Just the feeling. Yeah, exactly. It's, it sucks. It sucks because, like, they're constantly reminders of, like, you're on stolen lands, you're on stolen land, and that's great for the non-indigenous people, but for the indigenous people, it's reliving that trauma. It's, like, bringing up triggers, bringing up flashbacks, like, dang, we can never cast a break. Yeah. We really can't. And I think of a lot of, like, uh, like, for instance, like, the whole idea of, like, blood quantum, we were talking about it a little bit earlier, how that's very clear uh, sign of like white supremacy because again that's like could be invalidating again that could be like removing you from your community and like making you feel further away which is like what white supremacy does it doesn't do that with you yeah because I actually have a really good I have a perfect story for this I was at work one day and um, it was in the summer and I work at a cheese store and a person comes in and he asks me to get some like some cheese for him which I do and then just making small talk and he ends up going to like where in Wyoming kind of where my reservation is and he is like oh you must not be um you must not be a lot of engine because you look a lot like you look white or something like that and I was like what I was like oh you can't like you know like why do you just like like guess what my ethnicity is without even asking and it's just like because first he asked me if I was Latina and I was like okay well I get that all the time like I don't really like please don't assume but I'll correct you and like and then he just started saying like racial slurs at me like towards indigenous community and it was just like and I didn't know what to do because that was the first time I've ever experienced something like that and even like my coworkers at work didn't know what to do either they were like and like I um so like the next day I talked to it with my boss and like I'm allowed to like make them leave next time if anybody ever does that to me but it's just kind of like that's also something that, like, BIPOC people have to experience, that white people don't have to experience, and it's so embarrassing to be called out like that, and to have those names, like, being thrown at you like that, and you can't do anything about it, because you're at work, and you can't say what you want to say, or, like, like, one time I was at the dentist, and somebody said, like, the per- the lady that was helping me said something very, like, miseducated and uh, she said (laughs) she said oh when um when tribes talk to each other they must use sign language right and I was like I looked at her like miss girl and I didn't know what to say and I was like my mouth was like wide open and I was I just didn't say anything because I was like this isn't like I um because my my tribe does have sign language, but it's not to, com- like, you know, it's, yeah. to, like, it's for different reasons, not to communicate with other people, so it's just kind of, like, that's so insensitive, and, like, ugh, I don't know. What? Yeah, there's just some crazy experiences, like, so, like, going back to, like, the whole blood quantum thing, it's just kind of, like, 
people assume and suspect a lot, like, oh, if you're not 100%, like, you're just white then. Yes. That I feel like that's what a lot of people think about when they think of, like, indigenous people. is like, oh, you're not 100%, you're white. And you're nothing but white. And, like, yeah, I may not be 100%, but, like, I still have my ancestors. My ancestors still back me up. Like, I can feel them. Like, they're all around me all the time. And it's just, like... Shut up, white boy, you know? Yes. Shut, Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> like, you don't even know nothing. You don't even know nothing about me. Why are you, like, assuming every story? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, you know? Like, that's so... Ugh. That sucks. That tells you because you're in that power. When you're not in a place of power, you were at work. And you were just, you know, being a target there. And, like, people just throwing things at you, like, words and things like that. That's... It makes you relive generational trauma and, like, our everyday, like, structural violence we have to navigate through that white people never understand what that's like. You know, going to a space and, like, feeling that you're othered and also, like, like feeling that you are not being humanized because of all these comments that people are saying just makes me realize that we uneducated people have gone so far to just get by every day without being corrected. I hate that. Like, having to correct white people is exhausting. And, and it shouldn't be our job. Exactly. It shouldn't be no, our job. No, it shouldn't be our job. But when, like... Because um, I should be getting paid for it, then. Where's my money? Money, money, money. Reparations. You know, <laughs> yeah. Call reparations because, <laughs> oh my goodness, people, like, sometimes Yeah, ask, like, um, literally, like, my great-great-great-grandmother floated down the river and pretended that she was dead so that she wish that she could survive a massacre that happened on our land and it's just kind of like like you know like you don't have to exp- like live with that like feeling of hearing that story and knowing that a family member had to do that so that you could be walking on this earth right now to live and it's just like yeah, yeah. where are we yeah Yeah. Just throw that word around like genocide, massacre that we have to be desensitized to that. Like you know, we gotta get the real pictures of that implies you know families and that person is helped. And then in the generations that come, you know, like you were saying, generational trauma that is so hard to get through. You know, like I applaud you every day for like walking on this campus. No, thank you. So you too. Uh, whitewash. Like, yeah, and I just like even like the things that we learn still are like whitewash not necessarily it's a little better in college but especially in high school everything's whitewashed in high school you don't learn anything like not even like in spanish class yeah you learn a little bit but like that's not enough time and like you need more time to like be able to educate yourself about everything and even history classes whitewash you only learn, you never hear about any BIPOC leaders, or, like, if you do, it's only in the big parts for, like, um, like, the Civil Rights Movement, or, like, those big, like, those big things that only happen for a certain period of time. You don't ever, you you always hear about George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, like, all those people, but you don't hear about everybody else. You don't. And it's just, like, where are those voices like how can we uh, how can we get those voices how can we give those voices like a spotlight 
and how can we get more people to like have a desire to like genuinely want to educate themselves and appreciate and understand like where BIPOC people are coming from and where what their daily struggles are compared to like a white person and things like that. But literally, I think of the fact that like people call the current climate crisis as like uh, existential threat, which it is, but let's be realistic when we think about BIPOC communities who have always faced an existential threat. I think of indigenous, I think of uh, black people like going through processes where like systems of oppression have literally tried to wipe them out. And look, they're still walking on this earth today because of the strength and resiliency of ancestors that brought them here today. And the fact they are like, you know, like voices who are not still being centered is like quite crazy to me because like if we want to tackle uh, the climate crisis, it has to be at the root and that is like um, white supremacy, colonialism, and uh, at this point, I'm sound like <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah, but it's but it's true though. It's that's literally what most of our like social problems are today. Like it goes back to how this society was formed, and uh, like what the consequences were because of that, and uh, all like like all the like generational trauma you have to deal with and like the racial hierarchy that is now locked in place for probably we won't ever see that dismantled I don't think but we can sure try but I don't think we will based on how the climate like climate strike stuff is going like nobody will listen to them we've been fighting for our rights for ever since people have discovered us so how do we expect to see that like and then it just kind of makes me worry about that like we're, we aren't gonna see change but like yeah i'm still like keep fighting for like my right like you know and educate people but it's just like damn i'm tired you know like yes. i'm tired i'm exhausted like can i just go somewhere where i can just like leave me alone white people you know <laughs> like i just want to be myself you know and sometimes i feel like i can't be that way but it's glad to like like talk to people like like that are part of the bipoc community and it makes me feel like i do have a voice and like it does matter about like my story and yeah so i'll say it over and over again thanks for letting me come come on here because i think something like this is so cool and like to be able, because I wouldn't know how to make a podcast like this, so <laughs> do all that stuff, so be able to do something like this, and maybe get my voice out there and somebody will listen to it, like, I think that's cool, I think that's cool, one step at a time, so. One step at a time, I'll, you know, anytime you ask me how, I'll show you how I did it, and so you can start your own little thing, maybe, but definitely, like, that message of what you said, like, man, we're tired, it's been so long we have been doing this for generations like it's great that people are waking up with like the climate scientists being um harassed uh, quite literally when doing climate strikes but BIPOC people have been doing this for the longest time you know and it implies a lot of trauma because i think of like indigenous leader uh like in honduras berta Cáceres, who is a Lenca, um indigenous person who protesting for a sacred land in there and then when a company tried to come in and 
build the dam on it. She said no. And she made her community like collectively come together and mobilize them to say no and tell her company like, fuck off. Like, can't you just leave us a dam alone? Don't touch our land. We we don't even, like, they, she was even saying like, don't you want, someone had asked her like, do you want like electricity for the community, blah, blah, blah. She's like, we never even asked y'all for that. Y'all just assume that we needed that. Y'all like look at us primitive and like, Y'all just assume that we needed that. So just fuck off if the community doesn't want it. And when doing so, she was successful in not getting the dam on the sacred, sacred river of Guacarque, Guacarque. But she was, at the end, murdered in her own household with the environmentalists and pacifists. And there's countless of other stories of other indigenous people who have done the same. So why are we just making up now? You know, does it is it to the point where, like, you have to see a white person suffering for you to wake up. I think it's sad, but I think it's true. Like, yeah. like Ukraine. Yeah, like today's society is just based on that. Like, if it's not like affecting them, like why should they care? Until it does, exactly. or somebody else is caring about it, then all of a sudden they have to care about it too. You know. Right. So I think it just kind of goes back to that and. People just need to, like, if you believe it, like, if you want to stand up for people, stand up for people and actually do it and, like, help us and, like, more numbers is better, you know? And we're not going to turn people down that want to help us fight for our rights and I don't know. Exactly, because that comes with peace of life, not controlling our allies like in Afghanistan. Like, calling out the people who say anti-indigenous, anti-black uh, slurs or doing sensitive comments or just when we're in spaces where like clearly not all, all voices are represented be mindful of that and what perspectives are being shared and agreed upon it comes to the idea of like you cannot change the world overnight we know that but you can change people's lives and if your comments to you call out someone does leave a stamp on them and realize like what they did was fucked up you did something better at least for the black girl community who's not always represented, the black girl community who are being marginalized, uh, disenfranchised, oppressed. We are resilient, but we also are not always strong. So, you know, honestly, like, stop calling, um, like, black girl people, like, strong, especially, like, black women when they get called, like, you're so strong for doing all this. Like, damn. You're, like, putting them on a pedestal on realistic goals of, like, she can always or they can always do this work of, like, educating people about struggles. No, it's exhausting, like you said. It's tiring. It kind of reminds me of, like, imposter syndrome, too. Like, when you, like, always tell these BIPOC women that they are strong. Like, when people tell me that, it like, they thank you. But then when I do, like, when things happen to me that are good, I feel like I don't deserve them, you know? Or, like, wow, this is actually happening to me, you know? And I've always thought that, like, that's normal, that everybody feels that way every single time, but no. That's not. And, yeah, and it's, yeah. Damn. Yeah. That, that's generational trauma, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> that's a real life implication because when you're fighting for certain things for so long and then one good thing comes along, you're like, this is weird. Seems yeah. out of place. Yep. What's the sauce? Yeah. Like, what's the consequence of this good thing? <laughs> like, what's going to happen to me now? <laughs> <laughs> That's anxiety. 
<laughs> yeah, for real. For real, though. Oh, my goodness. Well, um, I guess we had a really cool conversation, to be honest. Thank you so much for sharing Yeah, your, thanks for having me on. Yes, sharing um, the space and sharing, like, your thoughts about this. Um, I definitely learned a lot on my side um, about you and about, like, all these, like, ongoing conversations that need to happen. And, yeah, I wanted to close it here unless you have any other more things that you thought you should uh no that's about it thanks <laughs> all right thank you so much for everyone listening please tune in in the next episode and other than that adios